Last November, we spoke with Marty Harris about his exhibit in the Kaddish Gallery. The show is called 42,000 Years on the Same Block, Pictures by Marty Harris. Marty's an artist and illustrator that lives in Minneapolis, and his work uh, was vibrant, um, colorful, multimedia pieces uh, suggesting nature and community. And we had a great time talking to him about his process and his history. So just for the purposes of the Q&A, we're talking with Marty Harris. Uh, Hello. Marty, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, Marty's show is up in, in the Cash Gallery right now, 42,000 years on the same block, pictures by Marty Harris. And we're talking about his uh, collaborative books here. And um, I just want to start by setting the scene of this 30-year this adventure that you had before you came back to this. And that's, that's working as a professional illustrator. Graduated graduate school, and my last year of graduate school, the Macintosh came out. And um, my first job back in Minneapolis was for a company, a software company, and uh, the few of us did graphics okay. for software. Okay. And that's and that just led, that's what you did? You did that full-time? I did that full-time for two years. Okay. They had, and at that time, some software companies had nothing but cash. Yeah, yeah. So we, and the illustrators were always way ahead of the programmers. Yeah. So we did nothing but play. Yeah. So tell me about, okay, did he, you got the job, you were going to art school, or you're getting a degree in art school. Right, painting. Painting. And you got the job working for the software company as an illustrator. Right, because, and my computer illustration career started in the second year of graduate school doing an assistantship with the education department. Oh, okay. They had a contract with the Navy for programs to test in the classroom. Oh, so and through the classroom you got caught up in this thing. Well, I actually was illustrating the test. Oh, okay. So I was doing pictures of guys mounting... Um, missiles to the underside of wings, carrying drums of hazardous material, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of stuff. So they were hiring illustrators. You applied... No, I, that was my assistantship oh, in graduate okay. school. Oh, wow. through, the, through the school system, through the public university they had a system. Contract, yeah, wow. with the Navy. They farmed it out to grad students, or to undergrads. Well, you know, I don't know what they would have done. Yeah. I, was a, I was a graduate student. You were a grad student. Oh, that's wild. So that was in Indiana? That was at Indiana. Indiana. My first year, I, I was a, um, I, I taught a class. Indiana University has a contract with the military. In the, educa the education department did. The education department has it, and then they farm it out to a grad art student, grad painter. Just to do the illustration. To do illustration. And the computers were controlled data's attempt at a personal computer. Mm -hmm. So they had already failed and jettisoned the project, and Indiana University, or the Navy, I should mm -hmm. say, bought them mm -hmm. to use for testing. Wow. And so once you got, once you received your MFA, you I went to Minneapolis. And just kept doing it. Um, I, my cousin taught me to use the Mac one weekend, and um, I struggled for the first month. They didn't fire me, mm -hmm. and 
it lasted for two years until the cash ran out. Okay. And then what did you do? Um, seven more jobs in the next few years. All illustration-based? All illustration-based. I, I worked at the TV station doing news graphics. I did um, pre-press, doing photo retouch and so forth before Photoshop was useful. And um, the equipment that I worked on was, they had a lease on a $500,000 mm -hmm. piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. It was all proprietary. Right, right, right. Pre-Mac stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, so then you built a career and a family around art-related stuff. Yep. You were an art professional. The Adobe Illustrator 5.0 came out and it had a brush tool. And I figured I could make a living with that brush tool as an illustrator. As an illustrator. And went to work in a studio. A studio. Uh, an illustration studio. An illustration studio that did advertising? Mostly General Mills and 3M stuff, uh, because that's what we have in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was, um, as I like to say, um, from the Trix Bunny to aortic catheters. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that's what I, anything that came through the door. And I got used to that there and yeah. um, moved on to my own. Huh. Art like man, you shall. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, Make that's, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, when you have an, someone else as an art director. Yeah. This is when I get to be the art director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to spend too much time on it, but just we have a pragmatic sort of... Uh, mission here to talk about how art, art majors go on into the world and, uh -huh. and, and we try to collect all these stories so yep. I'm just curious about how your MFA ended up treating you it seems like you had a pretty reasonable career as an illustrator would you say you um, were reasonably I've, happy or I'm not rich yeah. but it has paid the bills yeah paid the bills raised and your family I, um, I used to say and I don't get injured but that's not necessarily 30 years of hunched over the computer sure um, it has a cost yes it does but um, <laughs> it has worked uh -huh. and my wife um, she works for the health insurance okay. so um, from art school to my kids growing up and moving out of the house and us, and then us realizing that we were empty nesters, which took a couple years mm -hmm. in addition. Adjust, yeah. And um, thirty years passed, yeah, yeah. or twenty-five years passed. Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. Um, and that's when these that's, started. And so I your first these, step back was to start doing these sketchbook, these books. My brother gave me one of these in two thousand eight. It's a Moleskina sketchbook, um, and I hadn't drawn for myself in that amount of time, in yeah. 25 years. He really didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't have a problem with it, really. Okay. It sat around for probably, you know, half a year, mm -hmm. and then I think it's number one here. Um, yeah, it came to me, mm -hmm. and I filled maybe seven of these, mm -hmm. um, and then I joined um, a, there are a couple print studios, printmaking studios in Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, one is called High Point Center for Printmaking. Yeah. And I joined the, or I took a class there and was reintroduced to etching. Mm -hmm. And I used things out of these sketchbooks to begin a lot of the etchings. Sure. Um, and I did that for 
several years. That's in the old shop or the new shop? They moved. Uh, you're familiar yeah. then. Um, it started in the old shop, and then when they moved to the new shop, they were so... I always felt like there was someone over my shoulder. <laughs> it wasn't so as cool anymore. particular <laughs> about the space. Yeah, the new shop is so clean. It's too clean. So mm -hmm. I moved to the College of Art and Design, continuing uh -huh. ed, and I've been there ever since. I see. Um, and, you know, it's students, so... Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I can make as much of a mess as I want to as long as I clean it up at the end. Right. And the, right. the students, uh, that's exactly what students do, except they don't clean up. Had you made prints back in uh, school? A little bit. A little bit. But little it was... Bit. I liked etching. Yeah, yeah. But they're, you know, little 8 by 8 sort of things because copper was expensive. Yeah. But when you're grown up and you have a have a... An income, yeah. you can buy a sheet of copper that is 93 inches long and 24 inches, um, 93 by 24, and mm -hmm. it'll, you can do 18 by 24 inch mm -hmm. plates. Yeah, it's pretty great. Cheap like that. You know, there's you know, it changes it's, daily. It's, kind of hard. <laughs> it's, it's a lot to carry an 18 by 24 plate and and ink it and yeah. take the paper. The paper has to have some border to it, and the press is only so big, so. Right, um, but a sheet like that costs three hundred or five hundred. Actually, I think it costs two hundred dollars for a sheet oh, like that's that. Because we got it in a group, and uh, yeah, it was, and it lasted a long. I still have pieces from it. So, um, you went with Kristen to Tyler. Tyler's you guys read the same, school at the same time. That's where you met her. Yes. Was she responsible for getting you, getting you over to Indiana? No. It just, just Reputation of Indiana did. And um, as I tell the story, Indiana really didn't work for me. Okay. Um, the figure it did, you know, it's, it, I tend to blame Indiana, but it's really not their fault. It's just a, a particular time. I had been doing, I had been um, praised for drawing and drawing rendering things and drawing people and and so forth and I did um, I did well mm -hmm. and um, but once I graduated undergraduate suddenly I didn't want to do that anymore and that was that's Indiana's bread and butter is that, that is what their, their reputation is and I didn't understand I had no idea what to do next no idea um, so when I got there I didn't get any help trying to figure it out. Yeah. And as a graduate student, you know, uh, what kind of help are you expect? Should you expect? I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think you should get some help, but I didn't. Um, I didn't find it. So I just drew the second year. I just painted little figurative things and mm -hmm. got my way out of there. I see. Did Stanley Whitney was he at Tyler? Or was he at Tyler. Tyler? So you guys had Stanley Whitney. Did you both have him at? I had him for one class. So that might have been a good voice for something else, something other at that exactly. point, right? It would have been really nice. I only had him for one class. I think that uh, having him for one or two more would have been, made a big difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> three classes with Stan Whitney. <laughs> you had three classes? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Hero. Personal hero. I've never met him. But Do you feel hero. fortunate? 
I felt bullied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better just to know the work than to actually oh, know the guy. Yeah. Need to go to school class. Yeah. Scared. Yeah, yeah. He worked so hard for those classes. He was an intense teacher. Absolutely. Yeah, but you never knew. You never knew what the what the path was or what the outcome was supposed to be. Mm. Never, okay. ever. He kept it mysterious. There was no poetic. There was no. It was just whatever. Was whatever came just, to him that day. See, see, I'm in that mo- I'm in that mode. Yeah. <laughs> well, the aim was really to ask yourself the questions, right. basically. Uh, yeah, and embrace the chaos. See, well, yeah. he wanted you to ask the question, and he wanted them to be visible. Yeah. Period. That's yeah. it. What yeah. are you doing, and why? Questions yep. in the work. Questions inside the painting. Yeah. And I, I actually didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get it, yeah, yeah. but I, sure. I was comfortable doing it. Right. And I think that with a couple more classes, he would have, you know, slapped me on the side of the head a few times. Yeah, open jet more. Been okay. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So then that circles back around now to uh, printmaking and uh, the sketchbooks. And then how did you stumble upon this collaborative project that we were, we were talking about um, earlier? Mo- Molly X... Um, Colon, an international sketchbook exchange, uh, was something that I started because I started posting my pictures up on uh, Flickr. Mm. And I met people on Flickr. Mm. Or I contact people that I liked. And I just asked one group of people. I contacted seven people and asked them if they would participate in something like this. Mm-hmm. And instead, thinking that I would get three... Instead, I got seven. Okay. So I had to start two groups. Oh, really? Um, so I started with five. Each person having starting with a book. They're all over the world, and it had its logistical issues. Mm-hmm. But um, so I had to create a second group, which then I started a third group. Mm-hmm. I'm not in all these groups, but I'm I'm setting them up. I'm mm-hmm. doing the matchmaking, and as I was telling earlier. Um, at one point, we had 400 people involved oh around the world, and it was it was very cool. Um, a lot of people would write to me and say that they hadn't drawn in such a long time, mm-hmm. and they were so happy to do this, and that over time they and I would observe that over time they became much more confident. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really a mixed bag. Yeah, sure. A real mixed bag. A lot of it was much more illustrative than I hoped it would be. I hoped it would be more artistic, and people would fight a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that people would paint over each other yeah, in yeah. little competitions, but yeah. that didn't happen. <laughs> right, right. As you can see, they take turns mostly. Right. The better books, I think, are the ones like the ones in the center that have uh, that were deliberately orchestrated to get people to do pictures throughout the book. Yeah. Was yeah. part of the charge to work over top of other people's stuff? No, I, I didn't. You were just hoping that. We just told them, do three or four pages. Um, that way it would, when you did a uh, round robin, it would go through a few times rather than just once so that there would be some interaction. That's that's how I Okay, so the hope to get used up. 
yeah, if, if they filled the book or did half the book, then there would be no interaction. So that was the way that I hoped, that's what I hoped would inspire interaction. But it really, you know, it didn't do it visually or in an artistic way. It did it sort of thematically, but otherwise, no. Um, and then I got tired of babysitting it, and it, I let it, and no one wanted to take it over. So um, it lasted between four and five years, I guess. Um, well, I mean, 400 or so people have books that resulted from it, Exactly. Right? That's, that's incredible. And I have um, acquaintances around the world whose floor I can sleep on on any given night. <laughs> Did you figure that into the initial prospect? <laughs> I'm, not that, I'm not that clever. <laughs> so how long would the book be gone for about? Oh, you know, some women are gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, yeah, exactly. They're hidden in somebody's closet or they've been thrown out in a, in a move or something like that. Or in Stephanie's. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so you yourself got more comfortable, again, as a as an independent artist through this process, and others did as well. Right. And that, that, that led to the rest of the body that work in the show. Absolutely. Do you want, you want to talk a little bit about uh, what we have in the room now, too? Um, I'll say that most of, when I started using the Moleskine, I was using ballpoint pen in mm -hmm. it. So I don't plan anything out, I just draw. Or the ballpoint pen is so fine that those you know sketchy lines to start with are, um, they just add a little bit of life to the rest of the drawing, yeah, the yeah. final drawing. Yeah. Um, so I liked that every mark was permanent, that right. you could see every mark. And right. um, so in that, the mistake was part of the picture. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, that has always been, since high school, it's always been very important. Let the process show itself. My entirely. art teacher said, em basically embrace the mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was that was revolutionary to me. Yeah. Because I was so worried about rendering all the time. Right. That's the way I'd learned as a kid. Um, so I start. I'm sorry, but I would continue with that yeah, yeah. question, answering your question. Um, then I went to black ink and a brush. Okay. Um, and that and I did a lot of that in the Moleskine stuff, yeah. and they. And you can really make mistakes with black ink. So I learned in these books how to play with that mm -hmm. and how to sort of fix them and keep going. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of keeping things alive as long as possible mm -hmm. until they fail. Mm -hmm. um, or, yeah, typically. How do you fix a mistake in black ink? Well, in the case of these books, mm -hmm. They have a different kind of book that has a thin paper in it, mm -hmm. so I might paste over it, mm -hmm. or I'll cut the book apart, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, I would have loved to paint white on top of mm -hmm. it, but it really never works. It didn't work, it just sink I mean, in. it doesn't look good yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, it's either, you can see, it either turns out gray or blue, mm -hmm. or it um, is kind of blobby, because you have to have nice, thick, yeah, opaque so something, much of it, yeah. and I didn't like that yeah. um, because ink is so graphic yeah. wouldn't it be nice to have a white that's yeah, that right, graphic right. that doesn't exist <laughs> what do you use for white and I assume that oh. ink is permanent yep 
Okay, so it's non-water soluble after drying. Correct. Okay, so what do you what do you paint on with white? Not much. Nothing. I don't. Well, what if you really? I avoided. You tried and it, and it failed for you. It did many times. <laughs> so, so I don't you use pro like Daler Rowney Pro White. Well, the problem with it is I you you still put that you have a really flat graphic ink, and there's nothing in white to match it. Yeah, and that to me is uh, a big problem. So you collage, like you collage in, that's really the only way to react. Yeah, I mean, if you're, a, if you're a, a cartoonist or you work for Marvel, um, you don't even worry about that stuff because you're scanning it in and it's yeah. going to be flat. And you're going to go into Photoshop and clean it up. And right. if you really want something graphic, you're going to use Illustrator. And what, right. You know, but that's not me. I like um, what I love about ink and what I learned about ink is that Every manufacturer makes, you know, has a different formula. Yeah. And I really like the crappy ink from Speedball oh. because it has a lot of, it has a lot of varnish in it, uh -huh. and you can paint something with ink the first round, but then you can go over it, and it's a black on black. Yeah. Um, because you have now blobs of of ink on top of that, and you right. can actually see it. Right. right. Um, not all ink is like that. Sure. Better ink is not like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I really love the Black Cat or the Speedball ink. Uh -huh. I've tried a, a lot of inks. Uh -huh. um, small or large, it still does the same thing. Yeah. And white is not like that. I used to really like Paper Mate liquid the liquid paper, the like correction fluid. Does it taste so good? <laughs> it smelled so good, you know, it smelled so good. But I used to, when I did a lot of ink, ink drawing, I would put that on and draw over it, and it, it would crack up and break apart sometimes, but sometimes it, it would give me a, a white ground. Uh, but I, I, uh, I it sort of, a lot of it had a lot of texture. Yeah, you'd have to draw back over this chunky surface. When I was in, yeah. when I was doing illustration for it, an advertising client, um, the receptionist said she, and she had just had a baby, what she did, she would get white out on her fingertips, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and she would have her baby suck the, the white off of her fingers. <laughs> it really worked <laughs> well. Got to clean it up, huh? <laughs> Put that baby to work. Come exactly. on, yeah. <laughs> but, so, can I back you up with a yeah. question? Or, or, Please. Okay. Um, when you uh, went to the dark side, uh, on the computer side, you know, after your MFA, uh -huh. you said that uh, you discovered that X software maker had a, a brush tool, and you thought, no, let's go, let's go with this. Most, I imagine, most people who would end up as illustrators wouldn't think of a brush like an MFA in painting person. Or did that seem like this magic window that you went flying through? Well, they, yeah, the funny thing is that that, yeah. that brush tool only lasted till um, that was Illustrator 5.0, and then the brush tool was gone in five in 7.0. Mm -hmm. So I, um, but I, I was raised two older brothers, one four, and the other six years older than me. One was, the oldest one was the Marvel 
lover, and the other one was left left with DC. <laughs> and so I watched. Yeah, yeah, DC. Left I agree. With, I agree on, with that. Yeah. That's the way the world works. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, when the Beatles came out, it was the older one got, what an idiot, he got Ringo, and then the second one, in this case, got John, and then I was left with Paul. <laughs> no one, I, the dog got George. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so I had a, I had, um, a familiar familiarity and a love for graphic work because I watched them and once they were out of the house then I could start drawing mm. um, and so I I have friends who are uh, comic book illustrators well, one draws for Marvel and he's mm. he's doing really quite well I for some reason I have virtually no interest in what they do um, I, it's like, I've been looking at this all my life. Mm. I, I, you know, yeah. You go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> and um, he's really good at it. He can really do a comic book, and yeah. I just, uh, I can't even think of it. Yeah. No, my I mean, brothers. Uh, a lot of us cut our teeth on comics, but um, move, move forward from there. Yep. My brothers are, are brilliant drawers. And um, they have mostly moved past it. Yeah, yeah. mostly. Um. So the the the, the brush show. the brush was the way into the to the to the career. The ink. I mean, oh, In, the career. The career. The digital. The career. freelance. Yeah. The freelance career. Yeah, but then you just kept going with each new iteration of Illustrator and Photoshop and you just made you made the work, you kept going with it. Other people do Photoshop. I know how to do Photoshop. Uh, You're primarily so Illustrator. There's so many people who do Photoshop. And I just live my life, I've lived my career in Illustrator. I see. And I do tidy little drawings that look nothing like this show. Yeah, right, right. Um, right. They look nothing like this show. Right. In fact, I put started putting them up on Instagram and go, oh, <laughs> they have... Um, they don't have the life huh. that these things do. Sure, sure. Um, uh, and so that went on really for 25 years before, um, and when the kids left the house, then I could start doing this stuff. Yeah. So then, okay, so after the books, we you go to the print shops and you start making prints. Yep. And that moves into a whole series of multimedia works like we have in here. And so you started with etching, you went back to etching because that was the thing you knew? Um, yes. And then you moved out I from etching screen to printing screen printing? And, um, and the monotyping. My, yeah. Forgive my language, but I'm just a terrible printmaker. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It kicks, screen printing was kicking my ass. Anytime that yeah. I had to do a, an edition of any kind, I was lost. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all thumbs. And um, and the fun is in the mistake. The fun right. is in the, in the I do the monoprints um, and it seems like the easy way out and in a way it definitely is because it's, it's relaxing. But I love pulling the paper back and seeing what surprises are there, yeah. um, as opposed to etching, where 
I just keep making this. I, I would add things to it, but every print is like well, kind of kind of predictable. Allison would kill me for saying it, but not every printmaker needs to be a contract printmaker. I mean, that's <laughs> not what printmaking has to be, right? I mean, you don't well, have to be an editioner. You need mm-hmm. you you just if you want to use the machine, use the machine however you want to use it. Pretty much. So the yeah. monotyping allows you to be painterly yep. and just make a thing that's going to have one pole. Really, one main pole. Yep, and I yeah. that big piece over there, which is a triptych, basically was done in one three-hour session, as was the one above it. Minus um, the dots. And then, yes, on, a, on Sunday evening last, I put the, yeah. the dots in using screen printing. Um, and what I also loved about it is having been a renderer, having gotten praise for drawing stuff, um, I'm not using a paintbrush, I'm not using a pencil, I'm not using an ink, ink on a brush, I'm using all things that are, I'm drawing with stuff, mm-hmm. I'm drawing with plastic bags and rope and, ro- and rollers and, um, and it's just a gas. Yeah. It's just yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Um, so, and so it takes it takes my hand out of the picture. Right, right. You're not you're not rendering a leaf. You're putting a leaf on the plate. Right, and I'm not doing the cartoon thick and thin thing, and yeah. I'm not doing you know Marty Droswell thing. Right, um, right. It's not there. You didn't draw the folded up, crinkled up paper. You just put the crinkled up paper on there and printed it. And put some ink on top of it. Yep, with a roller. Um, so I'm drawing with different stuff. And building pictures with, without worrying so much about rendering stuff. Is that was that just completely new? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty was, it much. A, was it a reaction to the kids moving out and like being able to go into this world of like, uh, I'm not going to do these tight things. <laughs> it wasn't about. It really wasn't about them, um, and I don't think the inspiration comes from them so much. Although. When they were in high school, I might tell them to do this kind of thing, but I wasn't well, well, doing, not doing it. Yourself. Um, mm. But I think it comes more from being an illustrator as a profession and saying, I hate mm. drawing. Mm. I mean, I have no need mm. to render stuff. Mm-hmm. I have no need to compete with the better draw, the other drawer in class anymore. I don't need to do that. I don't have to impress the teacher. Um, I don't have to do that to make a living even in um, my illustration anymore. I just do, you know, uh, line art. I mean, I have to draw that stuff, but most of that is tracing now. Hmm. (laughs) It's great. Was that one long plate or you printed it? It's three pieces. It's the paper is just big enough to fit on the press. Right. That's as big as I could get right. um, on the press that I have access to. So three different pests. Here's the fun part. Once I started doing these um, mono prints, I just threw them on the floor in my house and started mixing and matching them and deciding which end was up later, mm-hmm. um, which is something I never did before. I like them. They're very. It you know so. I just, you know, I did literally three hours of doing those, 
those big prints and then went out in the big hallway and just decided which order they were going to be in. And they looked good that way, so I left them. And, um, and we used some packing tape to put them together, <laughs> and I printed on them. Um, do I printed you use so the image, or do you clean the plate after you? I don't. I clean it off. Okay. Yeah. I mean, most of the. Time. You like those rich blacks? The ghost really is. Um. Yeah. Sometimes I leave it, but you could go back into it. Yeah. I really do like that. Um, I have a different picture. In this case, certainly, they were cleaned off, and it's a, kind of a. It is a big mess because everything is designed for no bigger than this this size like half the size that those pages are. So I'm in there with a plexiglass in a sink that's as big as this this picture. Um, it's a real hassle. But, um, so that, that tree in the center, um, these are the cool things that happened because there was still um, mineral spirits um, on the plate when I drew the roller across it, mm. it left that mm -hmm. pattern. And or those all that stuff, and um, it looks like a birch tree. It does, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's also really. I feel like it's uh, slightly reminiscent of um, you know a zine culture like Xerox. This, right. These one not oh. so much here, but certainly. Oh no, there's some. Um, you know, like, like this stuff up here, it. where you see this, the the stuff is breaking down. It looks like it's breaking down. Yeah. Or the. Not so much in the early ones, but you'll see it in, in the later prints because I, I start making the ink real smackety. I put mm. a lot of oil in yeah, it, no, and so it'll do that. It's where you just you you. It shows like up I, in that I was one a lot. Say, I was I was raised with the Xerox for like books. Yep. And what you would do is you would beat the shit out of that machine. You would like print something. Well, would you sit on it? Would you sit on it a lot? <laughs> <laughs> in yes. the hopes of that degradation. Break it down, break yeah. it down. Yep. And that really has a, uh, like, it's interesting because it's it does crazy have amount a of text intentional text. degrading. Well, that's the serendipity you get with monogram. That's well, a great word. Okay, okay, so would you say that you had to work professionally in a very tight way for that many years? to then feel like you had this freedom? Or do you feel like this is something that unlocked that you this could have done all, earlier? No, this was all in. Yeah, I mean, it it exists in the painting of Chris Yeah, like you already had it. So you actually had to kind of reform yourself to be a professional illustrator in a way. A little bit. Yeah. Or did, um, did, did but, that ever come out in the illustration? In these over here? Yeah. What I, it allows me to do something that I haven't seen before and to do something that other people haven't seen before, right, right. to mix the analog with the digital. Yeah. And um, to me, it's like, and suddenly I could do it, being able to use screen printing, yeah. and then scanning those in, the ink drawings in, and adding Adobe uh, Illustrator to them. Well, Illustrator, I had 30 years experience there. These, so could, these don't have any uh, just ink, ink on top. The ink no is scanned trade. into it, and so these are digital prints entirely. The After output the is digital. It's the I only see. way to go. I see. I was well, curious about that I earlier. I thought they yeah. said they were screen printed. No. Those aren't? Those are not. Oh. And the ones in the, the next room are the same, the same as these. So the ink was done on paper, scanned in, the color, other effects are added in Illustrator. Right. And there's, well, there's one Photoshop thing that... Oh, with the, with the bird, yeah. 
Um, so how but, do you uh, print those out? Um, digital printer, a big digital printer. Just a regular? Or yeah, you have one in-house here, too. Like a Canon or an Epson? Exactly. And you're, and you're printing on what type of paper? That is, I tried to find, it's got a fake decal on it, mm. and it's on German etch style paper. But it's, it's But it's designed for an inkjet printer, yeah, large yeah. format inkjet printer, and it's Hanemula. Hanemula, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hanemula, we use that. Name? Randy, yeah, Randy, it's Randy spelled uses that, yeah. very German, so. Yeah, yeah Randy told me it had to be coded or you were printing on the machine. Otherwise, it's too absorbent. <laughs> yeah, it really sucks. It sucks it in the, the most. The most. Just type in the most German paper. <laughs> that's nice. Ah, that's cool. Well, to to the credit of the work, I thought that the black was drawn back on top of the digital, and I and I was fooled by that. So, I mean, it's really it's very this, um, well synthesized image. It really works. You know. And there's cool things you can do with, uh, you know, I can take an ink drawing and um, make, I've got a raster image of, of the ink drawing in Photoshop and I make a JPEG out of it. I can bring it into Illustrator and set it on multiply and, or I can change, the, if I save it as a, what is it, a TIFF or something, mm -hmm. I would never remember. Mm -hmm. um, I can change the color of it. So in yeah. one, the one with the red oval sumac, there's a brown version and a black version of the same oh. ink drawing, oh, yeah. and I can cut and paste, yeah. um, or I can uh, make one transparent and one yeah. opaque, and play with that. I don't, I don't fuss with it too much. Uh -huh. um, they're actually, they're busy. But they're actually really simple. Yeah, right. Um, there's, they're not simple layering. They might be visually complicated, but they are, you know, technically pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, when I go out onto the landscape to draw, I don't bring any color with me. Yeah. It just so. it's it's too much fuss. Well, yeah, let's talk about the landscape then. So that seems to be a big aspect of the show. And uh, the sketchbooks, we haven't talked about you going and drawing from nature. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, I like to go out there. I, don't, um, I do like to get my inspiration from, for textures and shapes and all sorts of reasons that I like going out on the landscape. Uh -huh. But I'm not a, really much of a studio painter. Yeah because um, I'm not, I don't have that much of an imagination to keep myself busy. Yeah. Um, so going out on the landscape is re really nice. Um, I was saying earlier You work from life, you like to work from life. Well, I like, I was telling students that I like going out and, um, and seeing, I mean, there's textures in nature that, you know, I would never think of. Yeah. And it's endless. Yeah. So um, locking myself in a studio, I can't do that. My pictures aren't um, about, uh, they're not um, editorial. Mm -hmm. They're about making pictures, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, and the, um, the pictures themselves give me enough, uh, enough to think about without 
trying to put up or to do basically editorial cartoons. You know, I don't need to do art about causes. Yeah. I think about those things while I'm drawing. I you know think about the newspaper. I think about breakfast. I think about having to do the wash. I think about all kinds of things while I'm doing the pictures. Right. And some of them are issues. Some of them are not issues. But I don't need to tell anybody about that. I don't need to share my opinions about it. Yeah. Um, I don't find that fun. Yeah. Um, I find... <laughs> yeah, you guys are exactly the same that way. <laughs> no, you guys are exact opposites that way. So I don't, I don't do pictures about, um, I don't do pictures about Trump. I don't do yeah. pictures about, um, uh, you know, sexual orientation. I don't do pictures about. Um, pollution. I don't do pictures about right. floating islands of plastic. I right. don't do installations about, you know. Sure. Um, what's the word? It starts with a B. I always forget. Um, no, whatever. Political. Um, well, it's no. It's more about um, creating an argumentative dialogue. Uh, uh, um, I don't get involved with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, but there does seem to be two types of work in here. One is more um, coming directly from observed sources, and more than the early stuff. The early stuff, and then the more embodied nature embodied versus nature depicted. Ah, there you go. And the newer stuff is um, inspired yeah. by nature. Yeah, or actually directly like collaged in. The nature is actually Sometimes. just actually yeah. there. But so these these the newer objects, the objects that are, are these multi print and collage multimedia objects they are you coming back to the print shop and assembling a thing more from memory than from direct observation yes and no I mean I, I let or imp improvising I let um, now these plants aren't specific to the locale that is um, implied in the picture uh -huh. okay in this case St. Anthony Maine area on the Mississippi down by Minneapolis with the Stone Arch Bridge. Uh -huh. um, it's a place where whenever I go down there, I think, in spite of all this, nature's going to win. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. we're going to kill ourselves. Oh, there's going to be all this cement left over, but nature's going to you know, grow survives. through the cracks, yeah. Yeah. and there'll be ducks. <laughs> the world will be run Gaia by ducks. And ducks survive. Yeah. <laughs> It's a monoprint with screen print on top and collage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the one next to it? That's just monoprint. And then... Where are those fine lines from? Which ones? Fibers? All those fine lines. Which ones? I think she's talking about the... The, the white? Like the kind of wispy bits. Yeah. Oh, oh the fine lines? That's from Tarleton. Oh, yeah, just wipe, uh, wiping. Oh. wiping. It's yeah. new Tarleton. So these are these are specific to a place, but they're not directly rendered that from would be observation. That based on Cascade Falls, yeah, where yeah. we we've gone since our our honeymoon, and um, you know you discover how do you draw with a with a roller that's twelve inches long, mm -hmm. and the sun come the sun rays are you know it's it's just a different way of working. Uh, you, you make put sun, the sun rays with yeah. by taking a roller. <laughs> On 
putting one end down yeah. and tapping it as you as you roll it. Um, it's just a different way to draw. Yeah. And to not be rendering with a pencil or a pen or a brush is so much fun. Oh, what I was going to say is, so these plants aren't specific to that area, but they do imply um, a certain kind of uh, nature, a certain density of nature. and um, Specific to that place that you, re you remember from being well, there. You know, not even. Yeah. It just becomes that place yeah. by almost by accident. Yeah. Um, so I don't have to, you know, I can go up to the North Shore and stay there for two weeks on a residency and still have inspiration for three years. Mm. I don't have to remember yeah. um, what actual lichen is up there or right. what fungus right, right, is up right. there or, um, uh, or even the color of the water. Yeah. Oh, by the way, in that one, the brown is the water. <laughs> you know, up north, yeah, yeah. the water is like root beer. Yeah, right. So right. in the middle of winter, an open spot is brown against blue. Uh, that's great. So you're suggesting that these over here were a transition phase from your career to now this Kinda. thing that you're making now. And it's, you know, I was, oh, I was saying that, I was telling the students earlier that Art is mostly about going places, whether it's literal or figurative, like in your head, or actually going to Jay Cook. We went nowhere. My wife and I never went anywhere in our entire, in our kids' entire um, life up to that point. Yeah. They traveled way more than we did. We made, made sure that they went places, but we couldn't afford to do... We went on one family trip and it took us 15 years to pay for it. <laughs> you know, we put it on a credit card and we paid for it forever. That sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, we went to Italy and France and, and with an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old and you know um, they remember it through a photo book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, so going up to Jay Cook State Park, um, there's the second one is my. I call it my front step studio. Uh, and then the nature center that was my backyard growing up is in the neighborhood, uh -huh. thus the 42,000 years on the same block. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then there's Minnehaha Creek, which is runs through Minneapolis and goes by our house. And um, we just, you know, it was close. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is my going places. Um, and then we went up north, and I started doing, you know, different things, and just sort of poking at life outside of our block, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, and a lot of this stuff is done in the print class, and a lot of this stuff is inspired by going north, mm -hmm. but not actually. Yeah. Yeah, you're not well, rendering a specific point. You're, exactly. you're just sort of making a thing now. Mm -hmm. yeah. When I was on the um, residency, that's when I first started doing larger pictures, and they were basically from photographs I took along the water. And, um, and they, were, they were vigorous ink drawings with acrylic and so forth. Mm -hmm. And that got me started doing this other stuff. So with these objects being 
more improvisational and more an embodiment of nature. How do you how do you make choices now to say they're finished or they need more or they need a compositional element? What's your what's your deal there? This is the next step. Uh-huh. Now that I've um, gotten rid of the the um, I've got a couple pieces that this flower picture right there and that one over there had to be done before I could do anything else. Mm. And it took me two semesters to get, get them done. Yeah. Um, that one took two years, basically, because I took a time off to rest. Um, but in between, I started doing, actually, I like it like this. Um, and this, the color part, as the color part in that one was done um, on my um, I. I use Instagram, and I have a buddy on Instagram who takes pictures of his compost every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I use his pictures for inspiration for, for the color part of these. So if you look at it, it's rinds and rice and uh, bits of carrot. And there's a couple really, really lovely ones that I just, I just love them that I haven't screen printed on top of yet because uh-huh. I have no idea what but I'm going to do. Is that directly on the paper or onto the plate and then printed? They're monotyped. Mon- so that's, that's mon- color, ink, color ink monotyped on acrylic and then printed. It's the oil paint that I, that I had from leftover from that oh. painting over there. It's, it's oil paint. <laughs> it's paint. Utrecht paint. Wow. Oil paint printed. Nice and fresh. Huh? From college. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so it was sitting in my basement in a, uh-huh. in a paper bag and I same zinc. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. It just has a little more oil in it. Well, and then, yeah, maybe it's oxidized it's a little bit, so it's inky. Look at the strokes that it picks up, though. It's just terrific. Yeah. Look at that stuff. It picks up all the, all the brush. It yeah. It picks up all the movement in the, in the brush stroke. Um, and um, so I started out with a whole bunch of these. I put them up, and I look, I look at them. And then this one has... Um, this guy who I call Don Coyote, <laughs> he's, he's crossing the high plains, and uh, so I gave him a little, some reins, and he's riding a couple of grapes. Mm. <laughs> it's a grape stem. It's, it's a, a grape stem with um, so two grapes. So you draw that black shape? It's traced. It's traced grape stem with two grapes on it, and. <laughs> and then I, I adjusted the um, contrast on it to get two different shapes. So the blue is, is one shape that I added. Oh, no, I didn't do that. It's one scanned image of the grape stem. And then I just traced it with Illustrator and added a goofy stroke to it. Uh-huh. So are those silk screen? Yeah, yeah. So the top, on top of the monoprint is a screen print. And those are those are lar- those are photo photo emulsion large yes. transparencies. Yes, and I and I have two a couple of favorite ways of getting these images in. Um, I have this um, paper that I found. It's called you know it's for architects, I guess. It's just uh, translucent bond. It's called. So um, it's really cheap. No, it's not clear print. It's it's a bond paper. It's white. It's white. But um, I can put it in the. The, um, the, you know, the the light box, uh-huh. and it exposes through it pretty well. 
and it is. So um, you printed on that? Oh, I would do ink drawings. I can oh, you drew, you drew. I oh. just put a bunch of that paper uh -huh. on a board with clips, uh -huh. and I just because it's cheap, I can just you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, draw and throw away, draw and throw away, and I can use something. So you made a large know. drawing of the grape stem on the paper. And in then, this case, no. No, in that case, but it was I'm actually... I'm saying that that's yeah, a technique. Generally, yeah. That's, that's one yeah. technique. The other one is in Illustrator, I can make stuff that's yeah. really graphic. And, yeah. and I can't do that by hand. No, right. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. I can mix the, the analog look with the yeah. graphic look and... Um, you can see in the sketchbooks that I put in bits of font just, just as something to hang the rest of the drawing on yeah. and as an armature for doodling, for sure. basically. Um, so these, I really, it's starting to move away from just straight uh, where the marks are so important, where the marks are characters. It's starting to move into um, a little bit more, uh, what's the word, um, narrative in a way for me, but more abstract at the same time. You know, if someone looks at it, they, they might see a character in it um, where the character used to be in the marks, now the characters are actually kind of characters. Become um, they're, actors. So I've got this, I see it as, as, a, as Don Quixote, yeah. you know, yeah. one and I have to do another panel just to get Sancho in there. But um, this was an old pattern that I had on, you know, on file from my daughter's um, bat mitzvah invitation that I made, uh -huh. and I left a a badge down here, a star. Uh -huh. You can see a, a star shape in there, just so he looked. And I gave him a little pattern in the shirt, um, or I, yeah. It's, it's the shirt and the horse at the same time. I love um, that black and black. That's amazing. No, the black and black is great. Did the did uh, Don Coyote come out of the initial shape, or did that come out of the initial view? Oh yeah. Just afterward. Yeah. Okay, so you yeah. saw it, and then you were like, "Ah, oh, this looks like." So the narrative yeah, this is, is a guy. The this is a high plates yeah, drifter guy. Yeah, came yeah, from yeah. This, this is our hero. Yeah. Yeah, it comes afterward. Yeah. So this this other one. I just, um, these things come right away, you know, but I just, the hard part is that, that last little piece, because that all this one needs is a cactus, it's a goofy cactus in the corner, and rendered fairly well, but this one, I saw this right away, and I did that deliberately, this shape, these shapes together, that was figurative. Mm -hmm. So this is head, body, bottom, mm -hmm. and um, once I printed that on, and I knew what I was going to do because this black is terrific. Yeah. This black is matte; it's almost chalkboard. So I I conceived that I could do pastel on it and draw a figure, or I could draw any kind of get kind of Picasso on it and break the figure apart and put it back together on here, making some parts large or facing the wrong way or whatever. I don't know how much of that I'm going to do or what I'll feel comfortable with. Right. Um, but I've got plans to put my neighbor in here. Mm. 
here. Um, he's a 60-year-old or a 65-year-old guy. He's dandy. Um, he's you know he's kind of he's pretty virile for his you know for his age. He still has some this vitality to him, and um, and he's actually uh, proud of it. So he's kind of defensive about. Him. Uh, my little attacks on his his masculinity. <laughs> well, no, you know, two degrees, and he, um, but he wears this little little rough beard during the summer, and he wears uh, plaid shorts, and he looks great, and he really looks great. So I'm going to put plaid shorts in there, and I don't know. and I just have I really am having a hard time deciding. What I'm going to put in his hand? Uh huh. What's he doing? Yeah. yeah. Is he going to be? Is it just a stick? <laughs> is it a hammer? Is it a, you know, a, a drill with a, you know, with a battery pack on it? <laughs> I don't know, but it's got to be something like. I'd actually had a, um, a really, really. Um, there's a there's a guy from the 50, late 50s and 60s, and I cannot remember his name right now. But he did these beautiful um, black male heads, mm. you know, really classic, mm. uh, almost stere stereotypic um, uh, African heads, mm. just gorgeous things, and then then um, painted black and, and burnished and mm. just gorgeous things. So I had actually thought of putting something like that in here with an, with, um, with an antelope going by, <laughs> like running off and going, and I just, now I'm going to do my neighbor, and he's going to have something in his hand, and we don't know what he's chasing after. So, you know, and then the next one I do is going to be some other thing. I don't know. So it's sort of I'm dipping my toe into, oh, and that one. Uh -huh. Dipping my toe into little themes, but only the themes are inspired by the picture. Okay, that one is a is a waterfall, a quiet, hidden waterfall, uh. and I wanted to put St. George in there, like after a hard day of chasing dragons, uh -huh. fighting uh -huh. dragons. Uh -huh. He's, you know, he's taking his clothes off, he's bathing, and he's all by himself. Um, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. Suddenly, yeah. I can't draw the figure because I want it to be part of this kind of style mm -hmm. and that same sort of process without being too deliberate about it. Mm -hmm. I want it to come kind of naturally, so it's going to take a lot of practice. Anyway, so he never got into the picture. Mm -hmm. And what I will probably do, oh, by the way, these frames are really cool because I can use them over and over again, mm -hmm. take them apart, put new pictures in them. So what I plan to do is make a second panel for that where it's just a big picture of St. George coming out of the water hmm. and um, reaching for you know, his, uh, his togs. These two remind me of falling water. This one? Both of those. Oh. And, and you know I'm an architect, so that's what I saw right away. It just... Oh, the, yeah. I see what you're saying. And especially that one, the forms, the horizontal forms, you know, with the vertical. I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I still like this one for the, um, 
the two figures almost holding hands and the little leaf. Yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. The, the Adam yeah. and Eve thing with the yeah. fig, with the leaf and so forth. So I really, and then, then I use the, another little theme is suburban boy goes to the forest. Uh, I mean, I, I will I never it, be, yeah. Yeah. Um, I will never be a, a forest guy right. because I was raised in the suburbs right. and I've never gone anywhere. Right. So, um, <laughs> You know, I, I like to add that yeah. these little outline things, like the deer over there, that comes to mind. That that thing comes to mind when I put these things in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting, right? Suburban, this is suburban boy. Yeah. Right. Here. right. Huh. So that's what you know. What is the word? It's. Um, anybody? It's about um, the word. It starts with a P. It's I think two syllables. I don't can't remember. And it it is about um, creating an argumentative dialogue. Mm. Um, anyway, I don't get into that. Like and a pedantic. No, it's not. It's uh, I, 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 that's the word I always come up with, but it's not. Yeah, right. no, no. I'll, I'll try and remember before we go. Um, and it's so easy, and I'm always. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so nature is your thing, but nature. You know, it's not. It's not my thing. It's my vacation. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. Nature like is that. vacation. Yeah. The line that you like. That is a good reason for yeah, doing right. the nature stuff. Right. The one where, um, you know, the nice thing about going out and drawing landscape is that the trees don't throw apples at you. You know, they don't. If, you draw, you if you're drawing a person, you're always covering it up until you know that you're done. Yeah, right. No, no, you can't see it. No, you can't see it. Well, and I hate that. Yeah. It's so much stress. Uh -huh. But when you go out on the landscape, it doesn't criticize you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it might trip you along the way, <laughs> or it might get cold or rain on you or something, but it, it won't um, hurt your feelings. Well, okay, so we've, we've gone a little over an hour, and I, I, wanted to do, I wanted to talk about the title, but I think we're out of time. So um, does anyone have any other questions for Marty uh, before we call, call an end to this recording and uh, go have some snacks? Can I just do the, the title thing? Wait, what's what, what, what's yeah, about the title? <laughs> <laughs> Joseph wants quickly. to know about the title, yeah. Quickly. Yeah. Um, we do 23 and Me in my household. My wife bought them as uh, gifts for Hanukkah. For my for my kids because she wanted to make sure that they they did it so and then I did it and I which was I thought really dumb because um, I knew what I I'm 100% Ashkenazi Jew from you know Ashkenazi land which is Lithuania and Romania and um, Eastern Europe and um, but I find out that there's actually 0.01% of Yakut Indian from Siberia in me. But the rest of me is Ashkenazi. Now, Ashkenazi has always meant Jewish to me. But Ashkenazi to them, and I didn't read the white papers, I didn't read the explanations um, afterward, just the brief stuff on the surface. 
And there were so many funny things about it. Um, Ashkenazi, 42,000 years in the same place, in this little teeny area in Eastern Europe. And I'm thinking to myself, my gene pool is from there. And it's been there for 1,900 generations, according to them. And I think, God, that is so pathetic. But Jews have only been around for, what, 5,000, almost 6,000 years. And I'm going, so that means that Ashkenazi doesn't necessarily mean Jewish. It just means you eat a lot of potatoes and cabbage, and you're just from that area. Um, and so uh, I, then they have also, and it just sort of went along with the idea that we never go anyplace. Mm. And I think it's in my genes. We're stuck. On, I, I was raised on 16th Street on that side of the highway, and now I've raised a family on 16th Street on this side of the, the highway. Mm -hmm. And um, we went to France once. <laughs> and it, cost, it took me 15 years to pay for it. Um, it all that funny stuff. Uh, yeah, know, I, yeah. And yeah. then I found out that they have the... Um, I was telling you about the uh, Neanderthal. They show the Neanderthal quotient in your in your genes, and I had a little bit in there. And there's this little source of pride there because they um, there's a, a number that indicates how long you were in that gene pool, uh, or how long you were Neanderthal before you got busy with a Homo sapien. <laughs> and, <laughs> we were Neanderthal for a very short time, according to this. We were, so you, you don't know, drag your wife by her hair? <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I just know that you know they were either really bored Homo sapiens and uh, or bored and forgive me, horny Homo sapiens, and really just sort of upwardly mobile, um, sexually curious so uh, what test was Neanderthals. This is twenty three of me. <laughs> Yeah. 23 and me? Yeah. That's yeah. the test? That's, yeah, that's the test. That's the genetic <laughs> test of the day. That's yeah. the test. I'm afraid I'll just be Irish, English, German, and disappointed. Well, a lot of people... That's disappointing. A lot of people find out that there are a variety of uh, what are modern-day cultures, but you, you found that you really were... Everybody wants to be... A, Native, have a, a little Amer Native yeah, American yeah. in them. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I have Yakut Indian who crossed the Bering Strait and became Native American. Point zero one percent. Point zero one percent. Forty-two thousand years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions for Marty? Uh, uh, just a suggestion. Uh, <laughs> Next time, tuck my shirt in. Uh, no, there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you write your memoirs, you could. Uh, title it, uh, Outwardly Mobile Neanderthal. <laughs> 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 That's right, liberal and sexual. Parenthetically. Sexually curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think we, I think you've covered it all. Man. I think he has. I think he has. <laughs> all right. This has just been the best. All right, Marty, thank you. Thank you. This has been Q&A, recorded in the Kadich Gallery at St. Ambrose University in Davenport, Iowa.
The Kadich and Morrissey Galleries are located in the Galvin Fine Arts and Communications Center at 2101 North Gaines Street between Locust and Lombard. All content of this podcast is the exclusive property of St. Ambrose University, copyright 2017, and may not be utilized without expressed written permission.